0: Luke was going to be preaching today, but uh, as you know, his father sadly recently died, and so he's taking some time out to just process that. And uh, he was going to do something so cool today. That is, like, this Sunday is kind of nationally, it's, it's Adoption Sunday, right? And we were, he was going to do this really clever thing where we were going to talk about adoption, we were going to show videos from Homes for Good, which is a adopt, Christian adoption agency, we were going to interview people about adoption, and he was very cleverly, he was going to weave in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 in our, in our Ephesians series on how God has adopted us as his children, and it was going to be absolutely brilliant. And he said to me, he said, well, he said, you could do it if you like, and I was like, I'm not sure I can really. I'm not sure I can do it in the same way as you would do it. So I'm going to do something different today. Is that okay? Yes. We will do that. We'll come back to that because that will be so good to do. But I was asking around one or two people. I said, well, what, what could I preach about uh, this Sunday? And, um, and a few people said to me, they said, well, you know, it'd just be really great to have some encouragement. I was slightly taken back by that. I thought we kind of try and do that every week, to be honest. Maybe I need to listen back to some of those old messages and just see how they came across. But uh, but what they meant by this was they said, well, you know, there's just a lot going on. Life is so busy. I don't know if you feel that at the moment, but uh, it's that time of year. I, I don't know what it is about the UK academic system, but we try and cram half of the year in between August and Christmas. And people are tired. Maybe your family feels tired at the moment. Maybe your work feels busy because what happens on the 1st of December? All the Christmas dinners start, don't they? So you've got to get all your year's work complete by the 1st of December. Or here's something that's true for us as a church right now. We, we, things We're just pushing out in all directions. And therefore, here was the encouragement being given to me. Let's find encouragement in God this morning. So you up for that? And I just want to reflect on a bit of what God's been doing with us as a church. So if you're new here, then bear with us and hopefully you'll pick up some things that we're doing. And to do this, I'm going to read from uh, Acts chapter 11. And we're going to read about quite a remarkable church in the New Testament. If you are looking for some kind of spurious link to Ephesians, then the Ephesian church got planted out of this church that we're going to read about today. It's in a place called Antioch. And it became a very, very significant church in the New Testament. But it had some very interesting origins that we're going to read about today. And it modeled the grace of God in a way that was just exemplary for us. And I believe the grace of God is at work in us today. That prophecy that Tocconi brought about uh, just God writing a story. you know, God is writing a story with us. And he wrote a story with this church in Antioch. And it's different wherever God does it. Somebody once said, wherever God places his hand, he leaves a different set of fingerprints. Because God loves to do unique things in different people's lives. There's something wonderful about coming back to your home church, isn't there? Where you just feel like, yes, I I just love this. Anyway, we're going to read from chapter 11 of Acts, verse 19. And we read these words it says now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia Cyprus and Antioch spreading the word only among Jews some of them however men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus the Lord's hand was with them And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord." Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help. For the brothers and sisters living in Judea. And this they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. I love verse 23 of those verses that we read today. Where Barnabas, who was an outsider to this new church situation, he came in. And it says, when he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done. What a mighty, powerful statement about the life-transforming power of God's grace. Grace, as we talked about in early weeks, means undeserved favor from God, something that God gives. And there was something so remarkable about this church in Antioch that when an outsider came and said, wow, look what God is doing here. And I want to take a few minutes just to encourage us as a church community here about the things that God is doing among us here. Because if you've joined us in the last couple of months, you won't know that everything has changed for us in the last couple of months. And uh, I think it was nine weeks ago this Sunday, we sent out a group of people to plant King's Church West Lothian. And uh, they're they're full of faith, they've got loads of faith, they've got loads of children, and off they have gone. (laughs) And they're having weekly Sunday afternoon meetings. I got to go and be there, Matthew and Anne have been there Every Sunday, really, uh, between, since when it started and now. I and just want to say that it's going ever so well. It's going well. It's early days. It takes time to plant a church and build a church. But they're getting visitors coming along. They're getting people who are uh, taking an interest. They move to this brand-new community center, with, uh, which is a great meeting venue. And God's been adding to them. God's been working. Do you know, one of, one of my... Um, yeah, when i'm praying for scotland when i'm praying for god to use us to reach lost people in scotland one of my niggles if you like when i pray is this that i often feel when i look at myself and our leadership team and often a lot of you as well that we're just a little bit english do you ever feel that if we're going to get serious about reaching scotland the scottish people are saying no i don't feel that at all no Um, it, 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 we're working so hard on that to, to bring Scottish people through into, into leadership but it, here's something that we feel sometimes, we feel just inadequate for the task because we feel like how are we going to reach these mighty cities of Scotland and these areas of Edinburgh where you, you just need more and somebody, I remember praying with somebody about this at uh, some prayer days recently and, and they prophesied from Acts chapter 2 to me and they said, they said you know in Acts chapter 2 God did this miracle with speaking in tongues, and the people who heard that day, heard the message of God being proclaimed in their own language, That they heard it in a way they understood. And it was nothing to do with the people who were speaking. It was nothing to do with their original accent. And and I just felt this courage come upon us to say, God will give us whatever means we need to, to, to reach the lost in Scotland. Anyway, roundabout way of coming to this great encouraging story I heard from the West Lothian guys, which was... On one of their first Sundays, there was a a lady who popped her head through the door. She was dropping her child at another event that was happening at the community centre. She was from the Philippines, and she'd recently become a Christian. But she'd been around a lot of churches in West Lothian, and this was the problem she'd found. She said, I didn't really understand them because of their Scottish accents. (laughs) So she came to King's Church West Lothian, and she understood them. (laughs) And, she, and she's loving it. She's been back week after week really, really exciting. Isn't it great that God uses us in our weakness? He'll use you. He'll use me in our weakness for his glory. A couple of months ago, we also, at that very same time as beginning that church plant in West Lothian, we also felt that God was saying this word to us, go from two to three, and we're to get on with that. And we, we started a Sunday evening service at the same time as our West Lothian church plant, Alongside our Sunday morning gathering. And we got on with that. We asked Sandy and Hannah to to form a leadership team to do that for us. And again, that's just been really, really encouraging. We're so encouraged that there are people who are coming regularly to our Sunday evening gathering who would never ever come on a Sunday morning. There are non-Christians, people who don't know Jesus yet, who are coming regularly on a Sunday evening. There's people who work shifts who could never come on a Sunday morning, who are coming on a Sunday evening. And people are meeting with God. Isn't that exciting? I think it is. Now, all of these things are costly. All of these things take work and effort. But as we're going to look at in a few moments, it's all worth it. Um, it, In the middle of what was already a busy term, we decided to throw in a a fairly major leadership conference um, just last weekend, the, the Global Leadership Summit. And we had 100 leaders from across Scotland come and join us here and although it was a video conference we we had to work hard. There was a, a strong team of people who were here at King 's who were really making it happen behind the scenes and uh, we had so many comments from people who said, "Wow, this was so good. We loved being here." People picked up that sense of God at work among us that they they loved that we would worship in the spirit. They loved that they could go and receive prayer and and be prayed for and be strengthened in the Holy Spirit. They loved the the joyful attitude that our people serving showed at all times. People came into contact with the grace of God, leaders who needed a touch from God. And it was God at work among us. Uh, Earlier in the term, we launched our alpha course with uh, 21 guests following that brilliant John Archer night that he did for us. And here was a comment that one of the Alpha team made to me. They said, and we've got 21 really good guests this time. <laughs> they said, these aren't kind of Christians freeloading for a free lunch here or a free meal. These are people who genuinely want to know about God and find out what Christians believe. And uh, Ali and Lydia and their team have been working really hard with the Alpha course. And uh, we, we don't even have opportunity to talk about the brilliant work of King's Tots and reaching out to our community of mums in this neighborhood to try and help them find friendship and support where they need it. We don't have time to talk about how the brilliant Hub 104 has transitioned from Gordon to Jill, uh, to Gordon, to Gemma. Um, And I was looking at Jill, I was looking at Gemma. And... How now Hub 104 has become 50-50, boys and girls, which is an exciting step. It was all boys, now we've raised up the quotient of women in that, in that, in that youth group, which is so exciting. We would have time to talk about elderly befriending, how we're visiting people in their homes. But God is doing some remarkable things through this community. We do have time to talk about a couple of things, though. So Viv, why don't you come and join me on stage here, and then Maria will come as well. Tell us a bit about the care shelter. Yes,
1: yeah, so Bethany run um, the care sh- shelter every winter for about six months um, in conjunction with loads of churches in Edinburgh. And, um, we don't often hear um, the detail of, what, of the results of it, but sometimes there's stories that filter through to us that just shows what happens as, as a result of what happens. Um, the care, care shelter is really about stopping people having to spend the night on the streets. Um, some people live on the streets and die on the streets. The life expectancy is about 37, 38 if you live on the streets. So um, they provide um, a bed... A mattress on the floor basically here downstairs when we host it, um, a hot meal. But but what's the most important thing is that there's the welcome, is the reception from people is to be loved and respected and honored and given dignity by the, the choice of what we serve them, by how we do it, by the fact that we can take time if we want to sit and have a meal with people and and just chat to them and and receive them as, as people when they are so often um, rejected. Um, there's a couple of stories that, that came through a woman who had come just year after year and had um as some do not many but some keep coming back and back and um she had had problems with drink um and one night after a conversation about something quite specific with one of the workers she just asked for her bottle of alcohol back because they they take it off them and give them back in the morning and that usually means that she was going to leave but she asked uh, the worker to watch while she poured her her drink down the mm. sink and that was how she would stopped drinking and she managed to get wow. that was her to get to get moving on um, and there was another person who um, came back apparently the first night of the shelter this year, again a repeat person who'd come year after year every single night bar one last year as well as previously and she came back just to tell them that she wouldn't be coming this year she had got herself into bed and breakfast, she had got herself a job and she was going to be starting it the following day, so it's it's it's, it's, it can be just huge, these, these turnarounds, um, um, and, and all we need to be is somebody who washes up in the kitchen, um, somebody who chops vegetables, somebody who stirs pots, um, to be their, their shield and their defender, their, their strong tower, their safe place, their refuge, um, and, you know, don't, don't dismiss the washing up because I think, you know, in order to, to get out fast so that they can get some sleep, because some of them are just so weary, um, the fact that people can come maybe even just to wash up from half nine onwards is is great. So I would really encourage you, um, the, the song we were singing said, um, Show me who you are, fill me with your heart, lead me in your love to those around me. So if, if you're thinking about this, what we'd love to do, we're hosting it from... The eighth of January for eight nights Monday to Friday, and then Monday to Wednesday the following week is to um is to join up maybe your small group might want to do this. We need teams of six between six and nine a night um and uh you have to be over twenty one just so you have that just that little bit of life experience Bethany reckons that's that's what they need, but there'll be a, a sign up in the email this week to do that, so do do think about that and I'd really encourage you to do that because. We, we just don't know what, what will flow from, from what we do. Thanks.
0: Brilliant. Thanks, Viv. Um, isn't that brilliant? Us as a church being able to serve some of the most vulnerable people in our community right now. Uh, Maria, come and join us as well. Uh, Maria's been uh, involved with elderly befriending at King's, leading that. Uh, with a a whole team which have been really brilliantly doing that. Uh, You're starting a brand new initiative called the Evergreen Cafe. Is that right? I am, yes. And uh, (laughs) just tell us what God's put in your heart for that.
2: Um, Well, God really broke my heart for the elderly um, quite a few years ago now, actually, when I started work. Um, It was the first time I'd really come into contact with older people on a regular basis. And I just found that even when people come in for an eye test, they just wanted to take that opportunity to open up, um, and people were telling me stories. I wasn't prompting them at all, um, and to be honest, I didn't really have a lot of time, but I wanted to have the time to spend with them, um, and it just showed me that the scale of the problem, the number of older people who become very isolated because of health problems or um, side problems or just anxiety and the and a lot of people weren't I noticed a lot of people weren't actually getting out of their homes on a regular basis um, and yeah it just yeah it really stirred something in me and I just thought I can't solve this problem but I can befriend one person um, so I started befriending someone didn't think it would lead to this um, <laughs> and yeah um, we've got as Dan said we've got a great team of people in the church who are already befriending people in the community but We've got a large number of volunteers for a relatively small number of people that we're able to connect with. And so I just really want to, um, by opening our church doors and welcoming people in, just um, really increase the number of people that we're able to get alongside.
0: Great. So so tell us what's involved. I see there's a a first date here of the 2nd of December, uh, vintage tea dance. Tell us what it will be and what you see it looking like. Um, So we're going to run this once a month. Um,
2: Obviously, the first one's going to be a tea dance, um, but we'll have different events each time. Um, We just want it to be something where we run activities that people really enjoy. Um, We want to be there to serve people, but actually, I'm really keen on them feeling like it's their group that they have ownership over um and i think that every person that comes will have something that they can contribute to the group um and yeah something i'm really passionate is actually um giving people value a lot of older people that i speak with they're just very demotivated in life and they um yeah they some of them really actually are disappointed when they wake up in the morning and they don't feel like they've got anything to live for. And I think we need to create an environment where people feel like they are um, contributing, whether that's just serving a cup of tea or making cakes or giving ideas for different events or sharing stories. Mm. I just want every person that comes to feel like it's their group and that they're a part of it.
0: So that's so so good tell, tell us just briefly what, what would be your dream for, for where this could go
2: uh well obviously the ultimate dream is that they'll all meet jesus um, yeah. <laughs> that's the plan um, <laughs> um obviously it's not going to be a directly evangelistic event um, um we want people to feel welcome we want people to feel part of a community and as we experience coming to church we um part of how we experience God's love is by being in community with each other. So we want other people to experience that as well. And I think that by making these links um, with different people that we don't currently um, meet at the moment, I don't see anybody here that I would consider to be an elderly person. Um, By making these links, that will open us up opportunities to invite them to things at church as well, like the carol service. Um, Yeah, give us opportunities to share the gospel with them
0: brilliant let's give a big hand for maria <clears throat> <laughs> maria did this very uh clever thing she um when she talked to me about this um elderly cafe idea i think she foresaw that i would come up with a, an excuse to say, Look, there's a lot going on at the moment and you know we're just Trying to, we don't want to spread ourselves too thin. And she, after she'd explained her vision for it and her passion, she just said, and by the way, I've already recruited the team I need for this, and they're all very keen to do it. So I thought I couldn't say no, really, after that. <laughs> so uh, there's a lot of grace going on in this church, and it's wonderful to see. So back to Antioch. So here's where I want to connect what we've been talking about into the scripture we read earlier that... The grace of God at work in that community in the first century, it had this element about it. It says, large numbers of people came to know the Lord. And when God does a work of grace in a community, his heart is this, to bring large numbers of people to know Jesus. Whether they're elderly, whether they're homeless, whether they're middle class, whether they're female, male, old or young, God wants to seek and save lost people. And here's the the, the truth or the opportunity before us. If you were to add a 1,000 people to every decent church in Edinburgh, there would still be room for plenty more. And so therefore, we want to be a church that expands and looks out in all directions, believing that God, by his grace, wants to bring many people to know him. It's true that God loves individuals. It's true that you often read verses about Jesus finding the individual, the woman at the well or Zacchaeus, But isn't it true also that he would minister to crowds? Isn't it true that in Revelation chapter 7, it says one day there will be a redeemed humanity so large that it cannot be counted. And God's heart is to bring many people to know him. Now, we don't need to feel pressure about that because it's not about us. It's about him. And what you find is that in the Antioch church that that grace became evidenced when some ordinary people did some ordinary things. And these people, when you read the verses we read, you you understand that they were refugees, right? They'd fled from persecution in Jerusalem. They were looking for a safe place. Yet, in their safe place, in their new safe place in Antioch, some of them said, well, I know it's safe here, but we still need to tell the same message to people. The same message that, by the way, had got them into trouble in their previous home in Jerusalem. Now they're saying, let's do it again. And so... This is what most of them do. They pitch outside the synagogue in Antioch, and they start witnessing to the Jews who come out of the synagogue. And they see a large number of those become Christians. But then somebody has a bright idea. Somebody says, you know what? We're witnessing to 0.00001% of the population here, and it's going really well. I just wonder if God has a heart for the 99.999% of human beings. and I just wonder if we shared the gospel with some other people, whether it might work. I mean, that wasn't crazy beyond imagination, that idea, was it? It's the kind of idea that you and I might have, that hmm, perhaps the gospel is for everybody. And so what do they do? see, here's the line. I've I've put a line on the stage. I don't know if you can see it. Here's the line. And so all the rest of their church community are saying, well, let's stay this side of the line. Let's talk to the people who we feel might be receptive. But then there was a few people who said, why don't we cross the line? Let's just see what happens if we share our faith with some people who don't normally go to church or synagogue. And what happened was Revival. What happened was that God began to work through them. Do you read those verses? Read it. The Lord's hand was with them. This is what happens when you take a step across the line, beyond the people that you might expect that God would use you to reach, that you find the presence of God with you in a whole new way. Now, they knew their Bibles. They knew the commission of Jesus. They knew that Jesus was always with them, always to the end of the age. They knew that the Holy Spirit could never be taken from his deposit, all of those things. But this is what this verse we read today said. It said, the Lord was with them when they took on this new role in terms of sharing their faith with unchurched people. Some of us here feel a little bit dry in our faith. And I want to suggest that you can find sustenance and joy in the Holy Spirit when you step out and do something that you don't normally do and try and share your The good news of Jesus with some people that you wouldn't normally share it with. God showed up when they stepped out. Here's another evidence of the grace of God in their life. is this, that they were responsive to the leading of the Spirit, especially in caring for the poor. In verse 27 we read that, about the prophets coming to Antioch. Here's something that's important for us to remember as a charismatic church. We love the gift of prophecy. We love speaking in tongues. We love healing. We love all of those things. But I want you to see for that church, the direct outworking of the gifts of the Spirit was that hungry people should get fed and that poor people should be provided for. Prophecy for them wasn't just to up their worship experience, it was to change the world. And for us, as we seek the gifts of the Spirit and we love those in our midst, here's the challenge for us. Let's make those about the world that we're reaching with the gospel. Here was the other outworking that that, that they responded to that very prophetic word and they gave generously. It says, each one as they were able began to give to help the situation where there was need. And... It's wonderful to be in a church that's so generous, like Kings, where people give so diligently. It really, really helps us to achieve the mission that God's got for us when we're well-supplied, well-resourced. Because we're a church that's always expanding and wanting to do more, we're always about £2,000 a month less than where we should be in terms of income versus outgoings. If you don't yet give to Kings, if, you would, uh, if you're able to give more, we would so appreciate that. Because a graceful church is a church that loves to give and loves to respond. So, in these last few minutes, I want to speak these words of encouragement. So, how did Barnabas respond to this situation where he saw the grace of God at work? It says in verse 23, that he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Isn't it interesting? Interesting. The encouraging situations, when you're in them, don't always feel encouraging. Why was it necessary for Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, to actually encourage them? Because it seems to be going pretty well, to be honest. Hundreds and hundreds of people are becoming Christians. God seems to be at work. Isn't that just naturally encouraging? Well, the answer is this. when you're in something, sometimes it can feel like it's hard work. And it can feel like it's not as joyful as perhaps it looks when you're from the outside looking and saying, this is amazing. And so therefore, he spoke to them. And he encouraged them to stay true in their faith. Here's what he was saying to them. Keep going. Because it's worth it. Everything you're doing in Antioch is worth it. This is what, as elders, we'd want to say to you this morning at Kings. Everything we're doing here is totally worth it. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, the Apostle Paul said these words He said, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is never in vain, not in vain. Here's our temptation that as we're doing stuff, we'll feel like, Well, is it really necessary? And here's the answer from Scripture. It's never in vain. Our work for the Lord is never in vain. Let me give you seven bullet points as to why our work in the Lord is never in vain and why we can feel encouraged today in terms of the mission and ministry that God has for us. Here's the first one. Because Jesus is alive. Is that right? I think if you were a Pentecostal church, you'd say amen at that point. (laughs) Jesus is alive, right? He's alive from the dead and he's the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the, one, he's the one to whom one day every knee will bow. The whole of history, the whole of our future, the whole of everything is about him. Therefore, when we build our lives around the fact of Jesus and make everything second call to serving him and loving him, that is always the right thing to do. C.S. Lewis once said, Christianity He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. If Jesus is alive, let's go. Let's do it. Let's serve him and love him and follow him. If he's not, if he didn't raise from the dead, then let's go home and have a cup of tea. But... We can't have any other response than that. Here's the second thing. Firstly, because Jesus is alive. Here's the second thing because the church is the most beautiful thing on the face of the earth. It's the very expression of God on the earth today. It's the thing that He left behind, it's the thing that He commissioned. Do you know, this is what God is doing all over the world He's bringing lost people into community. He's bringing people who are far away from God to know him and to know other people in his family. It's a place where we care and love for people. And it's a place where his power is made known. The church is the answer to all of Edinburgh's problems. I don't know if you ever wonder what Jesus does with his time these days. You know, because he he died on the cross, he rose again, that was exciting. He ascended in glory and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And we we can imagine that maybe he's got his feet up these days. You know, he's worked pretty hard for our salvation and and angels are worshipping in their millions around him. Came across this quote, I just love this. It says, Jesus isn't directing the angelic choir, taking long naps or doing crossword puzzles. He is completely focused on building his church, the hope of the world. This is what Jesus is doing now. He's building his church so that the full number of people can come in. Here's the third reason why we can be encouraged. Because hard doesn't mean bad. Hard doesn't mean bad. See, when Jesus called us to follow him... He didn't just say, jump in the back of the car and I'll drive. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, if you're going to follow me, then that means it's going to be costly at times. And that's not a bad thing. Because in doing that, he makes us more like Jesus, he makes us like him, he tests our faith. He builds perseverance and character into our hearts. He makes us more Christ-like. So when we step out for God and when we work for him, he is deeply at work in us. Hard doesn't mean bad. Here's the fourth thing. The devil wants you to stop. So the reason we should be encouraged to keep going is that our spiritual warfare is to keep going. I used to think that spiritual warfare was just shouting at the devil and asking him to be quiet or to stop. But what I understand from the Bible, when you read through the book of Ephesians, is this: that spiritual warfare is to live the Christian life. It's to follow him no matter what else is going on. It's to fight the good fight of faith. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, he said, we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. He has a scheme to discourage us, to stop us, to think think less of the the value of what we're doing. And we must overcome him. Okay, let me give you some some, uh, more positive ones now. So fifthly, here's the fifth reason why it's important for us to keep going. Fifthly, because it's for a season. Have you noticed that about life? It's seasonal. The the Christmas decorations will soon soon be going up for a month or so because it's for a season. And what I want to say is seasons of hard work, seasons of of, of times when it just feels like you're beyond your capacity, they do come to an end. They do. Sometimes, I mean, even the Apostle Paul said, sometimes I go through sleepless nights for the sake of the ministry I'm called to. Paul was never saying I don't need sleep anymore. He needed sleep just like the rest of us. But he was saying sometimes it was so busy. But he said that that's not the new paradigm here. For us, at, at kings here, as we, we're getting used to sort of stretching out in different ways. Uh, I don't need to get into this thinking it's just going to be like this forever, where we just feel overstretched and serving on too many teams. God will increase our capacity. He'll increase your personal capacity, and he'll increase our capacity as a church because more people will be added, more people will grow in gifting, more people will serve. So remember, it's for a season. Here's the sixth thing. Jesus says this is spiritual food for us. In fact, he said about himself, Jesus, who was God, but also the perfect man, in John four thirty four said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It's a curious phrase, isn't it? He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. We might say, well, my work is to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus said, no, my food, this is the thing. For Jesus, the perfect man, what got him out of bed in the morning wasn't just his breakfast, it was this idea that today he was going to achieve the will of God with his life. And he said, that fills my stomach. And it does for you and I as well as human beings. When we do the work of God, it satisfies us. Here's the last thing. As to why we can feel encouraged to keep going. That God uses our weakness. God uses our weakness. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says, We have this treasure. Jesus in jars of clay to show that this all surpassing power is from God and not from us. This is what happens when people see ordinary human beings with all of our human limitations. That's what he means by jars of clay. It was just the ordinary earthenware of the day. And when they see the remarkable nature of God at work in us, people will say, Wow, isn't God amazing? Isn't God amazing? So God wants you to be encouraged today to just keep going, to keep depending on his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is described as being the encourager, the fortifier, the strengthener. And today he wants to speak that strength into our lives. And in these last few minutes, we just have an opportunity to receive from the Holy Spirit. I don't know if the band could come and join me. We're going to sing together, but... I just want to invite you to just receive from God afresh today as we come to Him. So let's pray.